0: Hello. My name is Rachel Bilson. Hello. I'm Olivia (laughs) Allen. And I'm Rob. (laughs) Welcome to Broad Ideas. This is our new podcast. My best friend of many, many years, Olivia, is here with me. I am here with you. Our loving, doting producer, Rob, over there, Wobby Wob.
1: Yep, I'm here.
2: (laughs) Yep, instant family Rob.
0: This is very exciting. I'm very excited about this podcast. Why are you so excited about it? Because I get to talk to you all the time and it's recorded. So everything that we say is now being documented as it should. We need to talk to people about the things. It's actually super cool though, because our episode today, our very first episode, we're talking to someone who I love so much, so dearly, and who is also a very old friend and is someone I look up to immensely. The one and only Miss Kristen Bell. She is joining us today and I couldn't be more thrilled. Me too. I love her. You've known her, too, for a long time.
2: Yeah. I remember the first time we met her, actually. I mean, I met her. Mm-hmm. You brought her to Mollo. Remember Mollo with that, the chewy oh, chips? They made
0: chewy tortilla chips. They were so good. It was like in Silver Lake-ish. No,
2: it, Los Feliz. That's where I met her. And I loved her right off the bat. Yep. You brought her and you're like, here, guys.
0: <laughs> here you go. Love Here's her. KB. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Kristen Bell.
2: Sometimes when. Take a little peek inside of Rachel's little brain. All these thoughts are swirling
3: round and round inside to join us on this journey as we take a little ride. We'll talk about
2: dogs and kids and things. We'll talk about chicks and tampon strings. We'll talk about Because people die. I told Rachel, it was funny, we were messing with Rob that like we've both been crying today. So don't mind
0: if we Oh cry. yeah, we were talking about like you're such an <laughs> yeah, easy crying. Like, and don't I'm like, worry, oh. she cries easy
2: too. I was like, oh, I was like, so are we all gonna cry? Who cares?
3: Like, like we might like, listen, all emotional options are available to us at all times <laughs> during the day. And I'm just tired of people saying, like, you can only have this one at this time or this one at this time. Crying behind closed doors does no one any good. Let it out when you need to let it out. I mean, you don't have the right to ruin anyone else's day with it. That's like the one caveat. Yeah. Because that's just gross. Yeah. First of all, thank you
0: for being here with us. I'm so happy
3: to be here. I'm really happy to see your guys' faces. I
0: mean, it's, I don't know. I was trying to think the last time I actually saw you and I couldn't. it a minute.
3: We've been um, text-
0: For a while. (laughs) For a Um, long... Yeah, it's been a very long time. So, Kristen Bell, one of my most favorite, cherished, loved people in my life, who I don't see enough, is here with us. And we've been friends for... I was trying to figure it out, and I feel like...
3: It was like 17 to 18 years ago was probably what? when we met. Yeah, yeah. Because I met you before I had my life here. I met yeah. you when I was still commuting to San Diego, doing Veronica Mars Monday through Friday, coming up on the weekends, and I didn't really have any like roots Here, it was before I met my husband. It was before everything. Yeah. Before everything. You were my first
0: friend that I met and made in the industry. You know, when we were, you were on Veronica Mars and I was on the OC. And I feel like we were like at the same table at some in-style like viewing party or something. God knows what. We were in Uh, over our heads. Yeah. We were in over our heads. Really dressed very interestingly. I feel like I I have a picture somewhere. I'll have to find sometime. It's like you. and
3: and you and Olivia. (laughs) Oh, yes. I know exactly because I did way too many curls that night. <laughs> okay. And I remember exactly what it was. You were in lime green. I was in purple. <laughs> I'm going to find this photo and let you make sure that it gets, it gets out, out to there. We're gonna the have to,
0: You and I and Olivia Wilde.
3: Yeah. And, and Olivia looked perfect, of course, of and course. timeless. Yeah. And, but we were
0: friends. A little before that. Before that? Yeah. yeah. That's just like in my mind because there's a picture of it. Yeah. And I remember that night. But yes, we were friends, but I can't remember the first time. I can't time.
3: remember either. I think it was probably at some point during like weird young 20-something press mm-hmm. where they were getting everyone out and people were doing red carpets. And I just remember gravitating towards you because I was like, oh, she's so normal and so <laughs> nice. It was nerve wracking to like not know anyone and go to these, you know, I'm using air quotes, industry parties. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I don't need to use air quotes because they are industry right. parties. They're That's accurate. In, it's, in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Built um, the- there's not another layer to it. <laughs> um, but I gravitated towards you because I was like, oh, there's nothing to fear about this girl. Oh, and I loved you That's so much, so sweet. And then we just loved well, up, yeah,
0: the feeling was mutual. You were always the warmest, friendliest, just open, you know. And what I always loved about you is I always looked up to you for so many reasons, right? Just like how you handle your true. She's not just saying, oh, yeah, that. your career, but what you do with your life and and the power that you have and how you use it, you know, with the philanthropy stuff and bringing me into that. like there's so many aspects of your life that I've always looked up to, always, just envied your
3: ease at just how you handle everything so beautifully. What's funny is I could say the exact same words about you because (laughs) I feel like I did not know what I was doing at any point. I barely do now. And then I met you and I was like, oh, she's so together. And she's so at ease in these rooms where we're supposed to be like, that was back when you were really supposed to be like networking at these things. And I was just like, maybe if I just hitch my cart to Rachel here and just stand (laughs) behind her. And then you were just so, you included me in everything. I'm just glad that it blossomed because I admired you in so many of the same ways. Oh, that is so sweet. And then we got to take so many fun trips together. Oh my God, I know. I was going to
0: say... So we have a mutual friend, Nicole, who was wardrobe on the OC and wanted to style. And she started styling me. And I remember introducing you to Nicole way back when. And then she started to style you as well. This was after the InStyle party, clearly.
3: (laughs) But Nicole is still like a formidable force in my life. I mean, she was over yesterday. I work with her weekly. She's been a big part of whatever you want to call my business. Like, Mm -hmm. she is an intense part. And I'm so glad that you made that connection. Yeah, I love all of it.
0: But I brought her up because the three of us went on this. For me, it was a life-changing trip. (laughs) together. It was pretty fun. That you brought us into? We went to
3: Africa. We went to Uganda. And we went to a few places in a short amount of time, I yes. think. Yes. But we were in Gulu the majority of the time. I wish I remembered because I love that continent so much. There's yes. so much beauty there. And I've gone five times now. So the trips <laughs> wow. sometimes blur sure. a little bit together. But we did Queen Victoria Falls, remember? Oh, when we hiked That was when it was, like, super, like, wet and windy. Yes, the Nile, we were Uh like— Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Yes, we did, right? Yeah. Isn't that on the Nile? (laughs)
3: Mm.
0: No? Maybe that's something else. Well, we We did. We we need to look at a map
3: is what we need to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we were there. There was water. It was beautiful. We were hiking, but it was just the coolest experience. And I (laughs) I brought up earlier—I know you remember this— there was an outhouse. Oh, I remember it. <laughs> oh, it dear. haunts my dreams. <laughs> and yep. I, was, I was trying to like remember in detail. You probably remember better than I. Yeah, I, was- I had to go wee wee, <laughs> and
3: I went into the porta potty, and you and Nicole decided it would be a really fun idea to push it over. <laughs> Who's Idea was that
0: i feel like that's
3: probably nicole driven for sure <laughs> like I, sure. she just She's was like tricky. hey
0: let's push
2: this she would be like over? well
3: they also knew i got scared really easily Not, oh, like scared okay. like when i'm startled i cry like immediately <laughs> it just opens up all my Ooh. tear ducts and i yeah and then i'm just like bawling like if you were to jump out from behind this wall for no reason 100 i would be crying Aww. and i don't know why and it's just a re I, it's a it's a physiological reaction i can't control it And I remember you guys went on the side and like pushed it over, and Kenny was there, Kenny Labonger, and pushed it. It didn't tip, but I screamed (laughs) so loud and came out and was just sobbing.
2: Oh, (laughs) it was wonderful. I
3: love tricks, though. I love pranks. Does that help?
2: Like, would you give that to someone in acting? Like, if you need to get somewhere in a scene, are you like, okay, this is a really heavy scene. I'm gonna need someone to jump out somewhere and to get (laughs) me there, or can you just cry no matter what? Well,
3: weirdly, I can. Cry no matter what. Yeah. I think I actually have access to a way to, I'm a very technical actor. I'm not very methody. so Some, uh-huh. Sometimes, rarely, when I really need to like get into a place if it's a really heavy like set of scenes. But if it's just like you have to cry at the end of the scene, I'm not going to ruin, Oh, this is so awful to say, I'm not going to like ruin my whole day like trying to get there using air quotes again. Yeah. And I just, I can open my tear ducts. Yeah. So I'm faking it 100%. This might come as a shock, but all the acting I've done has been fake. Fake
2: oh. <laughs> pretend. Fake pretend. Yep. I learned that really young. That was like my trick as a kid, like my party trick. They'd be like, Olivia, cry on cue. <gasps> and you so, can do that? Yeah. I thought you were about to bust I was it about out right to. now. I was about to. It's <laughs> always so like right run. there, ready to go. right, right. But right. I learned as a kid, if I started to trick my body physiologically, yes. that then... The tears would come because the body thinks it's real. Yes. And that was something I would do. Like the family would gather around and be like, can you cry? And I was like... That was their entertainment. Right. And I would start it, putting it in... You just
3: felt it, didn't you? I just felt it too. I'm like, we could go there. It's (laughs) It's going to go there.
2: Yeah. So I didn't know though if you used that
3: scare tactic or... No, I don't do a ton of method stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. I've never... I see how it's beneficial. but 100%. 100%, And everybody's different. Everybody has their own thing. For sure. But to be honest, that's why I like doing comedy stuff because I am so much more about my experiential self. Like, what am I experiencing today? What am I bringing home? What is my attitude? How do I feel today? Uh, Doing something really, really heavy. I did a lot of heavy stuff when I was in New York and early on in my career. And I was just like, I'm not as happy because when you go to a set and you're making a comedy, chances are you're laughing all day. If you're making a good one, you should yeah, be laughing so. all day, <laughs> and I like that feeling, and I like bringing that home. And so, I mean, it's certainly important in any story that you're telling that it's not just all surface; that there's some strength to it, and it's right. grounded and stuff, and there's reality. And reality is sad emotions exist. But I am attracted to comedy because I like having a good day, and work I, at and that you're fun incredibly sets. funny. <laughs> you're really
0: funny. That helps. Well, and we just, you know, we watched your most recent show, which was so awesome. like It was fucking amazing. <laughs> you were I'm so, so you incredible it. in it. Just every moment and like all the things that were so heightened, it worked just
3: flawlessly. And I was... So entertained. (laughs) I'm so glad that you say that because I don't know that I've ever taken a bigger risk than that project in my life. And I mean, this is like artsy fartsy talk, but the reality is if you're going to tell a story, you better know that it works. Yeah. Now I've known these writers for a while. They're Groundlings writers, Rachel, Hugh and Larry, and they're very, very smart. And I have worked with them before. So I knew we'd have fun, which is my first tick the box. Am I going to take this Mm -hmm. job? Like, well, I have fun with these people. Is there a no jerks policy? Is this going to be a nice set? And then Rachel Ramrus, in particular was obsessed with all these novels, you know, the woman under the floorboards or whatever, the man in the (laughs) attic. And so she was just like, this formula works so well, it's time to poke fun at it. And when I read it, it was really funny to me, but I wasn't watching it. I was just reading like the treatments. And when it came into script form and I was having to act some of these scenes, particularly with Tom Riley, who was my counterpart across the street, we were like, um, as actors, we're supposed to say this line is bad. Is there anything else I could say that's maybe not so on the nose? Like that's what you do when mm-hmm. you think a line is mm-hmm. bad or doesn't feel good in your mouth. And every time Rachel was like, I'm sorry, we're not going to change it because you have to let the genre be the joke here and you just awesome. have to say it. And so Tom and I felt like awful actors the whole time. Oh my God. we felt awful because we were like, we're not playing it funny. And it just feels weird and like not real. And she's like, that's, the that's it. That's yeah. it. That's and we were it. like, are you sure this is going to work? She was like, trust me, it will work. And then when I saw it all put together, I was like, oh, she was right. Mm-hmm. The genre is bulletproof. If you've got a mystery, yes people will watch. You yeah. just need it. You need a mystery. You need a red herring. You need a conclusion. That's crazy. But I was very nervous up until I saw the cuts if the show would actually work. Yeah. And then for a minute, they wanted to change the title just to The Woman in the House. Oh. And I said, under no circumstance, I I will die on this hill. This is the hill I'm going to die on. You have to have it be The Woman in the House Across the Street from The Girl in the Window because that's such a stupid title that gives you zero information and has way too many words. That's a joke. You have to let people know... What it is what they're it watching. Because otherwise yeah. they could take it seriously and think this is just like a bad lifetime movie. Right. My husband
2: and I, my husband never watches TV really, because he doesn't like to watch anything unless he's learning. He's like super that's usually how I am. I'm yeah. like a documentary he's Documentary or stand-up comedy. He's like, I want to either laugh or learn. He wants something okay. valuable. Yeah, from he's his a frontline time. guy, a 60 minutes guy. That's, yeah. You know, he's like, if I'm not getting anything from it, it's a waste of my time. I could be reading a book. So I said, Will, will you watch the show with me? He likes you. It's funny. I was like, Do you find her attractive? <laughs> he's he was like, like no, always, he's no, he's like, I, I," because he's tough. He is too. very he's honest. He's really tough and yes. honest. And he's like, I really do. <laughs> and I was like, You little slut. <laughs> Anyways, but he kept pausing it and looking at me and being like,
3: What's going on? Yes, what? <laughs> like, how are good. like?
2: Where are we going with this? Is this real? Is this not real? And I'd be like, just unfucking pause it, mm. just unpause it. Mm-hmm. And he got so addicted; it that he so watched smart. the whole it thing. So, smart. and I was like, that's a good sign when you have an intellectual watching it and they can't
3: stop. That makes me really, really happy because it certainly was not a show you could learn from. (laughs) It was meant to be an entertainment dump of like, (laughs) let's just poke fun at something we all know and love, which is this genre of thrillers, psychological thrillers, the ones particularly that are written by women for women. And let's just see what kind of fun we can have with it. Yeah. And then we paused it. And
2: then we said, so should we do what they just did?
0: Oh, when you did oh, the oh,
2: oh, oh. on the stairs, on the kitchen counter, on the bed, yeah, that must so be fun. So huh? Okay, <laughs> we learned something. It about. was on the stairs. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. stairs. We don't have stairs. I was like, "There's like little stairs outside of our house. Should we?" No, like, course, don't do it. That's course. the point. Is like,
3: who would do that on the stairs? Who <laughs> right. would have that level of intimacy on the stairs? When it's like, I mean, the only other time I saw it happen was in a history of violence. They were having sex on the stairs, and I was like. I paused it at that moment. I was like, no, no, no no one would do that. No (laughs) one would do that. But it was like about the violent aspect of it. Yeah, Yeah. right. Right. And you did. And you looked
0: so fucking amazing. I was very. Thank you. I was eating nothing but
3: cottage cheese. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Clearly. Yeah.
0: No, you looked amazing. But it was just
3: like high protein.
0: Yeah. Keep me full. (laughs) That's it. But it brings up something else I wanted to talk to you about because there's something very present with me right now. Okay. So being a mom and an amazing mom. That you are. And I working. thought you were talking about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... She's allowed start. to say that about herself. Yeah. <laughs> I hope she does. Yeah, you know. But working and doing what we do and juggling that, you mm-hmm. know, as a mom, you know, you were the lead in your shows and the hours and the time it takes and stuff. But juggling that mm-hmm. and how you deal with that and the mom guilt and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I'm currently struggling with accepting a show. Doesn't shoot here. Mm-hmm. In Vancouver. And all that comes with it. But I'm...
3: Freaking out about the mom aspect.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It was, you should be because your heart is tethered to another heart that's walking outside your body. It's an important thing to consider. I mean, I don't know that there's any balance to it. What I try to do is I was sick of feeling like when I was at work, I was just looking at pictures of my kids on my phone wanting to be there. Mm-hmm. And when I was at home, I was feeling like a drive to be creative and career-oriented because at-home stuff can sometimes be annoying. You could label it as annoying if that's the frame you're looking through, if those are the lenses you have on your eyes. And I decided a couple years ago that I had to switch those. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that had to be an active choice I was making to be like, when I'm at work, I will soak up all this adult energy. I will be present and creative. And yes, I will still miss my kids. But then when I'm at home, I drop everything. Right. right. I drop everything. I don't shower if that 30 minutes away from my kid is gonna, um, if they want to play Legos or something, I go, okay, well, but this is my time to be completely like eyes on the prize, this little person who I'm trying to engage with and see what, emotion they're trying to work through because they're, you know, especially the young ones, they're trying on all these emotions that don't yet fit Mm -hmm. because they're feeling feelings and they just want to see if they're like puppies, like when puppies play fight, it's because they want to feel like what a cortisol burst is like if they're ever in the wild and have a fight. And kids do that. They do tantrums. They do it. at How much is this person going to pay attention to me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I realized when I came home, I had to really just drop all of my own priorities and give Close to one hundred percent to my kids, and that was hard because then there's this idea of, you know, there's a lot of different definitions of self care, and some I agree with, and some I don't. But the idea of going home and taking care of myself, I was like, no, I have to look at me going to work as taking care of myself. And when I'm at home, my job is them because my bones are telling me that's why we're on planet Earth is to help these future people. Right. So I don't know if that accurately described it, but I don't do a ton of things for myself at home. I'm really just a witness to my child's experience. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. But I get a lot of self-esteem from that. So it doesn't feel like I'm empty after I do it. Like we wake up in the morning and if I want to sleep in, I will still sleep in. But then I ask them what they want to do because I'm very into child-led play. Like rather than me suggesting something, they know we have art supplies. They know we have Legos. They know we've got a swing in the back. Like, what do you want to do? And I just kind of, pour myself into them. Because I also feel really, really lucky that I have those two outlets because not a lot of people yeah. do. No, right. And I look at women who are working and don't have childcare because Dax's sister helps us with the right. kids. So I'm always able to lean on her. Mm-hmm. And I just think single moms and parents that don't have childcare are incredible superheroes because I do have like a backup.
0: Right. Um, yeah, you have a strong support system. and yeah, and yeah,
3: And that's the thing is like the reality is when I'm working, because I have the financial means to have an assistant who can help me schedule things, that means I'm not going home and scheduling. And that is like right. such a privileged right. thing because, anyone in any other job who can't have an assistant doesn't have the ability to come home and be like, I'm going to pour 99% of myself into my kids right now. Right. So that's the way I do it. But I also recognize how privileged my situation is. Sure. But
0: have your girls like ever expressed anything to you when you're working a lot? Like, does that weigh on oh, you? Yeah. Or- yeah. Yeah, 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 For
3: sure. But there was this New York Times article a long, long time ago about mom guilt mm-hmm. and how you Can feel guilty, and then your kids will also sort of give you guilt trips. But when they grow up, having seen a woman who was career driven will actually be really good for them, particularly if they're young women. Mm -hmm. I mean, and young boys. And I really took that to heart. And so when they have big feelings about me going to work, and I know it's going to be a long day, I sit them down and I say, Yeah, I know it sucks. I'm going to miss you too. The reality is, like, what makes you happy? And they're like, Oh, my current dolls or whatever. My What makes you happy? Playing soccer outside in the yard. I'm like, yeah, when you do that, you're not with mommy, but it fills your heart up. And that's the same thing for me when I go to work. And it's not that I'm choosing something over you. It's that I need a couple different things in my life to keep me balanced. It's like I work out not for my body, but for my brain. Because I'll go crazy if I don't. Right. I try to witness what they're going through. I hate it too. I don't like being away from you. But... It doesn't mean I love you any less because I also want this thing. You're going to want conflicting things in your life as well. You're going to want time away from me soon. In five years, you're going to want to be away from me. And they're like, yeah, right. (sighs) And I'm like, yeah, but when you want that, I'm going to respect that. And you can go up in your room and listen to your music and have five hours of privacy because you think I'm annoying. Like, you don't have to be next to someone to love them.
0: Right. Can you sit um, my daughter down and you just have the conversation yes, for sure, me? Sure,
3: it is hard because the other <laughs> thing is they're really good at trapping you into these little like emotional pools mm-hmm. where you want to help them through this emotion. But I like to walk them through the emotion and sort of honor everything that they're feeling. And I don't mean that in like a very woo-woo way, like just genuinely recognizing like if someone's feeling sad or mad that you're leaving, there are They're allowed allowed to to feel that. Exactly. And this isn't like a, we don't need to sit around and sing about it. But like, yeah, you're totally allowed to be mad at me right now. Absolutely allowed to be mad at me. And I still love you. And I still love you. And I will be home. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what you could figure out is fun to do without me here. I mean, it's really complicated. It depends on each of the kids. But yeah, I just think talking to them about it with a sense of reality Mm -hmm. and autonomy Mm -hmm. is vital. Because otherwise you're creating a fantasy world for them where it's like, mommy wishes she didn't have to go away and I love you so much and I I don't want to do... I mean, and sometimes that's the situation at work. You can say, I don't want to be there. But I just (laughs) think you have to be honest about your reality and my reality is that I do like going to work and I tell my kids that. Yeah, I, I
0: think I've heard Drew Barrymore say that before or something like how she puts it to her daughters is "I I love going to work. I don't like being away from you. But yeah. it was important for her to be like, I get to work and uh-huh. mommy get, you know, and which I think was a positive spin on it. It is because they're under a state of hypnosis, right? Yeah.
2: And everything you're putting in them, they're absorbing. And so you also have to be mindful of like, taking responsibility for like, what am I imprinting in these tiny brains? Because Mm -hmm. that is your responsibility as a parent. And if you're saying, I really have to do this thing I hate doing because I just wish I could be with you, you're teaching them that that's a relationship between work and I'm going to go struggle and do this thing even though I don't want to. That's what they're going to
3: build into their constitution. Versus when you're sitting with them and you take five minutes and you go, fine, I will be, lit. I'll I'll be 10 minutes late this morning. Why? Because she's having a big emotion and I'm going to sit here. And that's what I mean about being 99% available to them. I have been late for work because there has been a weird, rocky emotion that one of my children was feeling. And I have sat down on the ground and said, I am going to bear witness to what you're going through. I'm not going to change my construct of my day. Like I'm still going to go to work because I also don't think it's a bad thing for children to know that they don't get everything they want. And particularly, again, this lens of privilege that I know I'm looking through, especially my kids who have a very cushiony life. Like, Mm -hmm. it is okay for them to feel that big emotion. I just have to allow them to have it and say, I'm going to sit with you for a couple minutes. And I often ask them, like, how many minutes do you need? And they know they can go between one and five. Like, I need you to stay five. I need you to hold me for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And they just, like, will be sad. And then I will go to work. But what I'm... Showing them is a woman
4: Mm -hmm.
3: who has a career making a very complicated decision and balancing it the best she can to fit her needs. Like I'm showing them, yeah, hard decisions exist. And I'll have to sometimes tell you no. And I'm not going to act like I don't like work, Yeah, you know, but I'm still going to cherish the feelings you're having. Right.
2: Well, because more is caught than taught too. Right. Yeah. So they're watching that. And I know on the opposite end, Rachel and I talk about this because it's been hard for me as someone who really wanted a career and it didn't quite go the way I really wanted it. And that was deeply painful. And then just being with the children, it was like there was this gigantic pull to create something else. And the guilt of that, of like, I can be with them 24 hours and I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I really want that creative fulfillment and career and all of that stuff. And Rachel being like, and I want to be with my daughter <laughs> and us being like, let's Freaky Friday and trade positions mm-hmm.
0: for a minute. And then she asked me to marry her husband and then which I was said, you'd have to have sex with Chad <laughs>
2: and that's going to be weird, but I'll go do the show and you go do the kids. And so I think that on either end as a parent, not just a mom, but as a parent, the feeling of guilt always is going to want to come up.
3: Always. And that's why I found the best trick is to say, I control my feelings. Mm -hmm. My feelings do not control me. That's one thing I say to my kids a lot. I said, I see you're having a big feeling right now and we can let it out. But remember, you are in control of your feelings. Your feelings are not in control of Mm -hmm. you. So anytime you want to put this feeling down, you can. You might not want to for a while. It might be too strong. but." knowing that I had to make the active decision to love when I was at work, be grateful for it, I and then that. love when I was at home and be grateful for it.
0: I think it's a great I love that. Yeah,
3: mentality. I mean,
0: it helps me immensely because <laughs> it's just so conflicting. And the last time I did work that much, Briar was only three. So like that was so hard because she was so young. And it's harder to talk when they're three and like explain working and stuff. And I would come up with things to try to put a positive spin on it. Like, mm-hmm. if I was going to be gone when she woke up in the morning, there'd be a treasure map, and she'd have to go find things. And, you know, so there was a positive association. Like, if mommy was gone, there are these things, which I, it's conflicting. I think, no,
3: but I think that's great, though, because you're taking a, an experience that she might have checked off in her head as negative, and you're making it positive. I'm, like, all about that. Until Positive it turns psychology. into like,
0: here's the big Reese's at the end of the
3: structure. Sure, 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 sure. like, <laughs> until it turns into eat your feelings and then we have to <laughs> backtrack
2: a little bit. Right. And one, just of, slightly. one of my favorite things too is like with kids and feelings, because I notice so many times people are like, oh, don't cry. I'll be back or it's okay. I've heard for a long time now through my mentor. She's always like, we feel our feelings so we don't become our feelings. Oof. Uh, mm -hmm. Right? We feel sad so we don't become depressed. We feel upset so we don't become angry. And like, kids are allowed to feel upset, Mm -hmm. sad, pissed. Mad that you're gone. And All our, that.
3: our job is to give, like this is what Brene Brown's big thing is, like give language to that. Yes, mm-hmm. Like once you have the language to describe how you're feeling or at least label it in your head, it's just a lot easier to get through because it never goes away. So like there's never really a balance... And I think a ton of people learn by metaphor. That's something Jonathan Haidt says all the time. Like I just read that happiness hypothesis and he talks about people learning from metaphor because you actually, you can't take in new information or new theories until you're relating it to something that you previously know, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't Mm -hmm. start with addition and then move on to calculus. You got to work through all the steps in between and you get there based on something else. So using metaphors with kids any way you're able to give them language to digest an emotion that is a tiny bit higher than what they're feeling. Mm. And it's not always going to be right. Sometimes you're going to walk out the door and they're still going to be crying. And of that course. is okay. I know. It is okay. It's really hard to say. But like my husband always says, no one who grew up with any sense of like, and it has good character went like, oh my God, my childhood? It was a breeze. It was perfect. I got everything I wanted. My parents were super nice all the time. It was like perfect. No complaints. Nobody says that who has any good character. Right. I (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Kids are supposed to be anti-fragile. They're supposed to be, which is like one step further than resilience. Like Mm -hmm. you could be um, affected by everything and then everything just wounds you. You could be resilient where it bounces off you. Or you could be anti-fragile, which is what human beings are at their core, which is you take a negative experience and you learn from it and you either operate differently in the future or you protect yourself from it or you learn how to work through it.
2: Right. Right. How much of your husband's sobriety leaks in, because I'm sober, coming on 11, no, uh, over 11 years. Congratulations. Thank Thank you. (laughs) That's a big accomplishment. It's the... Biggest accomplishment of my life, and then my kids and all of that. But I wouldn't have it without it's, that. That's
3: right. It has to be the number one.
2: And I feel like the world at large needs it. Like n- not about the substance, but the offerings that come with it. I believe that the twelve
3: steps should be taught in elementary school. Don't you? Mm-hmm.
2: I think they are the biggest game changer
3: in Ever. the whole in wide the whole world. world. I have no substance abuse problems. I have no addiction to anything except sleep because <laughs> like, I'm a self-diagnosed hypersomniac. I think I need nine to 10 hours and I don't care what any sleep specialist tells me. That's what I need. I know what I, I, do I need. Too. Yeah. But what those 12 steps do to your personality when you, you have a roadmap to make a fierce moral inventory, to make amends, to challenge yourself, it is life changing. Right. Life changing. And always looking for your
2: part. In
3: everything. everything. Like
2: anytime anyone comes to me, I'm like, okay, that's
3: great. That's on their side of the street. What's your part? If you have a resentment, you have a part, period. Um, We have in our family. So I created this thing called the family triangle or the family square. And when dad <laughs> when dad's there, it's the family square. And otherwise a family triangle. Anyone's allowed to call it at any time. It is an incredibly safe space. And the only things you're allowed to say in that space are what you did wrong. Wow. wow. So, um, I mean... You don't have to. You can also leak into like, she made me feel this way, et cetera. As long as you're using language that I feel isn't going to lead us down the wrong path into negativeville. But like, when we call a family triangle, like my eight-year-old calls them all the time and she'll start out and she'll go, well, she just... And I go, wait, wait, wait. We will deal with her side of the street. That's right. With her. Mm -hmm. What is your side of the street? And we talk about sides of the street all the time. It is (laughs) the best metaphor. Yes. There we go. For children. To learn from, I think, because it gives them a roadmap to what they're actually supposed to accomplish to keep their brains tidy. And there's also this other metaphor that I love. We were reading Peter Pan, Mm -hmm. the original, like the book. And I was like, oh my God, why do I not read more Janberry? Because it's so good. And the mom is saying, um, every night, Mrs. Darling sneaks into the kids' heads and tidies up their brains. Mm. (laughs) And she tidies everyone's heads while they're sleeping. And so my kids, when we were reading it, looked at me and they go, do you do that? And I was like, absolutely every night. <laughs> Obviously, I hadn't read it before that moment. But I said, every night I come in there and I said, yeah, sometimes with you, I see a lot of like, you know what grenades are? Because my book one with a lot of anger issues. I was like, I see grenades everywhere. So I take them and I, I try to shrink them with my hands. I throw the ones out that I need to and put the rest in a bottom drawer. So you don't have to deal with them the next day. And I just tidy up your whole head. And then the other one I'm like, and I see a lot of worries all over. So I sweep them up and I throw them in the dustbin. And so you can wake up fresh. Now, that's also another metaphor on top of something we say, which is everything looks better in the morning. It does. But they don't want to hear. That's hard to conceptualize. Mm -hmm. But when I say, hey, tonight, let me tidy up your head. That's so good. See, I told you I might cry. Don't do that. I (laughs) I need to use that. For me, it's just telling them. Can you use that on like (laughs) exes? <laughs> you sure can. Yeah, like, first of all, I brain. was in your head last night and the shit that I saw <laughs> was <laughs> messy. <laughs> but yeah, I think the 12 steps are an absolute game changer for yeah. everyone. I think it keeps people so accountable and accountability is not something that humans naturally gravitate towards because everything happens to us. right? Yeah. Everything is happening to us all the time mm-hmm. and I just think that's a fucking cop out. Right? Well, it is, but
2: nobody taught us that, right? right? And that's the thing is that my background, I studied recently spiritual psychology. And in that we're taught that everything that you perceive is hundred percent your responsibility. And I'm learning this at what, like 30 or something when I first started studying it. And I'm like, why isn't this in school? Why don't they teach us how to deal with our brains that are inside of our heads? They do physical activities. They teach us about history
3: and math, but they don't teach us about what's going to control. Actually benefit. Well, that has to do with like, a whole, well, first of all, that's public school systems that has yeah. to do with like evolution groups, societies, cultures. Well, once you get them really big, it's hard for everyone to agree on something. So you have to keep it at the baseline, which is like, maybe let's just cover math and science, I guess, <laughs> yeah. because not everybody buys into the rest. But when you do, it's like why you look for The language in your household and pay attention to it. That's why you look for after school activities like the Girl Scouts that are building community and you know, reverence for something. And it's why you try to culture your kids sort of outside the school district that they're in, if they're in public, or you look for something, if you can afford something private or find a charter that you love that has like, like we go to a charter that I love and I'm on the board of and they have a weekly meditation class, Mm -hmm. the young ones, and they have a weekly like breathing class where they simply learn. It sounds woo-woo when you look at it on paper. And then my kid comes home and she's having a tantrum and she goes... Hold on, I just need to do a box breath. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's why the skill set exists. Right. Because our physiology needs to be calmed and regulated. Like Oprah wrote that. Science. That's not even woo-woo. That's the (laughs) crazy thing. It's not woo-woo. It's not the witches. It's not. It's not just physiological. It's straight science. It is our amygdala grabbing Mm -hmm. a ton of information before it hits our frontal cortex. That's right. And deciding to base it on old patterns, like, oh, this is going to be scary. Well, it's like, no, just. Calm yourself down and see if it is scary. See if it relates to something you previously had an experience with. Like brain science, I love so 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 it's my much. Favorite. But also the twelve <laughs> steps. Do you know what I yeah. was in an Alan i meeting a couple weeks ago? And... Oh, good. I was going to ask you about oh, yeah. that. I wanted to know if you of did Alan. I have a qualifier. I have to. You I have a have major to, but... qualifier. Yeah. yeah, but I was in a meeting and um, and I love them. And the Zoom with Alan. By the way, you fully do not have to have a qualifier to go to Al-Anon. I think everyone I, should I, go. i thought I that, know. about that before, you know? It's an incredibly helpful community. It has a one-hour meeting that follows a very strict process. There is no leader. There are readings that could apply to everyone. And I've really liked going to these meetings in um, Ireland because you can what? go on Zoom and I go in at 11 a.m. and it's like 5 p.m. their time. <laughs> and I love the accents. And it's like, eight or nine people or 20 people or however many, but everyone... Now, first of all, I think being able to hear other people's stories Mm -hmm. is really, really important. You have to open your eyes to as many stories as possible. I think that's what makes a good human being, like stay aware of other people Mm -hmm. and their struggles. But also being able to talk about your own, because in Al-Anon meetings, it's not really supposed to be a venting situation. It's a little bit more supposed to be like a family triangle. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to say what the problem is and then how you related to it because it's all about forward processing. Mm-hmm. And someone said in the other day that I think I'm going to tattoo onto my forehead you are not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your first action and your second thought. That's right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's the truth. What? <laughs> I know. It's the know. truth.
0: That's just like.
3: You're not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your first action and yep. your second thought. Wow. And in my mind, went into outer space Yeah. when I heard that. I want to go to a meeting with you because I've been <laughs> going to al on my whole life
2: on and off, but I feel like you could go. I mean, you, after,
0: yeah. You, I mean, I need, you have I need qualifiers.
2: You have qualifiers. I do. For sure. And it teaches you too how to like not be codependent.
3: Yeah. And how to
2: not be a victim of circumstance Mm -hmm. or people, situations, institutions. Like it's about what the biggest game changer to say, okay, I cannot control what's outside of me. I can only control my reaction to it.
3: The best way I know to describe it is it it teaches you how to reallocate your energy. Mm -hmm. I think. And like, I don't go regularly either. Like sometimes I'll go a ton and then other times I'll skip a couple months. But like, it's always there, which is really... A peaceful feeling yeah. and it really helps me reallocate my energy because we waste so much energy on things we cannot control and then all we, the time and then we ask the why do I feel so depleted mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Bitch, what are you talking about because you spent six hours today thinking about something you couldn't control. What if you took that six hours of energy and put it into yourself mm. or decided to put it into your relationship with your kid?
0: Yeah. It's just constant. Your your mind and the stories it's telling you and everything. Yeah. And like for me, always, it's just the fear and that's what comes up and that's what you have to like work on, you know, mm-hmm. and therapy's helped a lot. And Alanon, I'm sure, it's like a form of therapy, you know, and learning from other people's experiences and stuff.
3: Yeah, I guess I do have some qualifiers now. That I think about it. Of yeah, course you do. Also, CBT. Do you know anything about CBT? No. Cognitive yeah, behavioral, behavioral therapy. therapy. Yeah, I love it. I love, it. You I love can it. do it to yourself <laughs> and it's really that. easy. <laughs> and I feel like I was doing it before I even knew what it was. I do suffer with anxiety and depression a lot. Mm. The way I'm able to right-size my brain is by writing it down and go like, well, I'm aware of how you're feeling this morning, Kristen. Let's put it on paper and see if you win. See if you're right. <laughs> and then it's all prose. And like, I can't think of cons other than I feel depressed. And I'm like, well, this is in your brain. (laughs) This is a trick that's happening to you because you have your health and you have your family and you have all these good things. And and sure, there could be a lengthy list of cons, but I guarantee you the pros are more. And when you have a specific situation, like let's say you were stood up on a date or something. Mm -hmm you would have to write down like how you felt about that i'm a loser no one wants to date me and then you have to make an argument can anyone make a reasonable argument against this mm. Well, you're not a loser. And what could have happened is his car could have broken down or her car could have broken down or they could have just not been interested. Have you ever not been interested in someone? Oh, yeah, there was that guy and he was lovely. Like you just talk. It's basically talking yourself out of it. But there's a label that you have to give it like catastrophizing or there's like 10 or 15 labels. And it really puts it into a box for me and helps me. I talked myself out of this bigger feeling that I didn't have to own. Hmm. What about when it's not
2: connected to anything, though? So, like, for me, suffering from depression on and off for many years, and I know you have, and I know it runs but in your family. it's interesting
0: because, like, if you hadn't been vocal about it, never would have known that you
3: were dealing with that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I very much believe in cosmetic psychopharmacology. So do I. Yeah. Which is, if you need a pill, take a pill. Right. I also believe that a lot of the big pharma are the devil. And I also (laughs) believe that things are overprescribed. So this is not like a vote of confidence, like everyone should be on a pill. But I think that if you are, well, first of all, you have to be seeing someone. That's why doctors have to prescribe medicine because they Mm -hmm. have to make sure that what they're assessing, it would actually benefit you. But people have been on an antidepressant for three months of their life and never needed it again because they were going through a phase. Mm -hmm. They've needed someone like me. I needed it my whole life my brain does not produce enough serotonin. And serotonin is a happiness feeling similar to dopamine and oxytocin, but can't sort of get it as readily unless you're getting it from carbs or chocolate. (laughs) And that's not an okay road. So yeah, I depend on it. And I feel like myself when I'm on it. And I don't feel shame about it. Here's another for you. Would you ever <laughs> deny a diabetic their insulin? Never. Would right. right. you ever know, no, be like part of process the body? That sugar. Yeah,
0: I'm a big supporter. I've seen it help people that I'm closest to for most of my life, really. Um, and I had an even more personal experience with it in recent years. Someone, you know, it was like I was in really close proximity to it, seeing someone go through it. I found myself depressed Mm -hmm. for the first time in my life. Sure. I didn't know how to cope. I was grieving. Like, went through a really crazy process. And also felt that I had gained anxiety (laughs) in myself, like learned behavior. Emotions are contagious. I had never been an anxious person, anxiety. And even since that, and granted we've been going through a pandemic and that had a lot to do with it. And that's brought up a lot of things in people. I've been that way for like the past two years and these anxieties and panic attacks and all these things that I never dealt with prior to being exposed to it at that level, which was really interesting to me. And now I'm like, God, damn it, like, can't we just like go back and it would be a lot yeah. easier. But I've learned a lot and I have this empathy and a different understanding for that whole side of things and best friends that have been dealing with it. For, <laughs> Mentally <laughs> ill for a long time.
3: Hey, <laughs> We're here for you, girl. <laughs> but we're on the solution
0: side. Yeah, and seeing how beneficial all of that is. I have a question on that really quick.
2: Do you think that, because as you're saying that, I'm always putting the pieces together with her. This is what we do is put the pieces (laughs) together. But as you experience that, right? Like if everything we experience externally is a direct reflection of what we experience internally, Mm -hmm. chicken or egg, like I wonder if- Like if I was always that way. Or if it was maybe wanting to surface and you didn't yet have an outlet for it. clearly I have
0: it in Because (laughs) then you
2: brought that in right like was so that you could
0: bring it to the surface and deal with it, yes, so thank you
3: this is what I do with any problem is you start from the solution and you work backwards because when you're in the problem, you can never see anything clearly. Like your your whole windshield is foggy. So you go like, okay, well, what's the solution? The solution is I feel good. And then you backtrack and you can write it down on a pad of paper, do it in your brain. What's your backtrack? Okay, well, backtrack is that I found a solution. Okay, well, what are the tributaries where I could find the solution? I could talk to a therapist. I could get more exercise. I could be on a pill. I could like all these things. And then you explore all of them and see which one leads to your solution. Rather than saying, What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? do do? Which can be an endless loop. Mm -hmm. You start with what's the solution? I feel good every day when I wake up. I don't have depression Mm -hmm. and then work backwards.
2: Right. One of the things I do myself and I always say is give yourself a set time to lick your wounds. Mm. And I'll do that when something hurts me. I'm not trying to jump to feeling good when I'm not ready. And so I'll say, okay, you have two days to lick your wounds to feel sad, to be as in it as you need to be. Day three, one action step towards solution.
3: Yeah. And you know who's probably not going to have to do that? Our kids, because we are trying to be the type of mothers who are allowing them to feel it. And they won't actually have to go through that step program (laughs) because they will know, I'm so sorry, I just need to feel this right now. I need to lick my wounds and then I'll be out in a minute after i felt this so that I don't become this. Right. Giving them the tools that sure would have been helpful. It's so hard for humans to have tools. We're born with this itty-bitty tiny toolbox. <laughs> and we just accumulate tools our whole life. And yeah. it does make it better.
0: Well, also, you know, you've been so transparent with your kids. Like, very vocally and
3: even... Oh, yeah. They know everything. They, they know, they know av- too much. They know too much. They know too much. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mine too.
0: (laughs) But, you know, my friend the other day was like, so her seven-year-old finally asked them about babies and where they come from and that whole conversation. And I remember, like, you openly talking about how you had the conversation with your kids yeah. and... My vagina. Yeah. That's so what I said. Yeah. <laughs> My vagina is where you came from. Um, but yeah, and I was like, so what'd you do? She's like, I told her the whole thing. Daddy's penis and mom's vagina. Mm-hmm. And she's like, do you guys do it in the shower? And she's like, sometimes, but mm-hmm. usually we're in bed, you know, in just a very sex-positive,
3: open conversation. Yeah, we conversation. can do it wherever we want. Right. If, if on, it's the on the stairs. Yeah. On the stairs. Good callback. You know the one thing that I think this was Michelle... On hand who told me this? But she said that when you're having the sex talk. The one word you should change to make it even more sex positive is rather than saying, and then the man puts his penis in the woman's vagina, you say, and then the woman takes the man's penis and puts it in her vagina. And all of a sudden, you've completely changed the power dynamic for the woman hearing that story. Wow. So So she welcomes that that and takes it in herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also a great book that goes into way too much detail. (laughs) Um, But it's called like The Wonderful Truth About Where Babies Come From or Something like that. But we have been reading it a lot. And my girls are just absolutely in stitches over the fact that they're going to have armpit hair.
2: (laughs) What age did you start talking to them about sex? Whenever they asked. Okay. So you were on, even
0: if because I feel like Briar asked when she was younger. And I didn't, you
3: know, know how to really talk about it. Here's how we handled it when the three-year-old said it or something. (laughs) We started talking about it. Well... Daddy has a, a sperm and mommy has an ovum. And at that point, she was like, oh, this is so boring. I'm going to go outside. <laughs> and then I nipped it in the bud.
2: Oh, wait. Actually, Jeff did explain that. My husband's a doctor. So he went into very deep, deep detail. detail.
0: They get so bored.
2: Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. no, my son is really scientific. So he came and explained it to me. He's like, did you know that I have sperm inside of me? That, that, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, I, I did. I knew this. Mm-hmm. I knew this information. But he wanted to like explain, explain it. To it. You. But I don't think he got to the like penis in the vagina. part.
3: But I also think that it's really important, again, to like give them a little bit more context about how it's relative. And daddy and I do this because we have those feelings towards each other. Mm -hmm. There are feelings that we each get in our private parts for each other. And we also get it in our brains and in our bellies. And when in our bellies, it feels like butterflies. And in our brains, it feels, well, they know what oxytocin is or dopamine, but it's gross to you and it's boring to you or it feels weird because you don't have those feelings yet. Right. But re- remember how you weren't um, interested in swimming and then you got interested in swimming. You'll hit a point where you're starting to have those feelings and it's going to feel like butterflies are in your stomach and it's going to feel like your crotch is on fire and it's going to feel <laughs> like a whole bunch of things like that. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And it the reason that we have different perspectives about this when we're having this conversation is because I have those feelings to daddy and you haven't had that feeling towards anyone yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you hit it, this will make a lot more sense. Yeah. Right. And wow. Are you sure they haven't? Because like my son gets... Oh, no, for sure. they're all over there. Oh, my God. Their fingers are everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> because oh, my, my son
2: has it's like, crushes and yeah. like, he'll make jokes about like, oh, when, you know, he's given me little insight.
3: Like How old is he? Six. Well, in my six-year-old who does definitely talk about crushes, I think it's way more learned behavior. You do? Yeah, like, who you are going to marry? But then I think when they're, like, going to bed at night and their hand is in their underwear, that I don't think is learned. I think they're going like, huh, I'm having this weird sensation down here and if I push on it, it feels kind of nice.
2: Yeah, but Mm -hmm. see, I'm not sure with Elliot if it's learned because he'll indicate to us something. Like, he'll talk about someone and he'll be like, well, Izzy doesn't like me and then his whole face will turn red and he'll get weird and, like, it's obvious. You know what I mean? But we're not like, oh, do you like Izzy? Mm-hmm. Do you have a crush on her? You know? and so, right. But like, he, uh, you see a different physical reaction in him. Well, I
3: think like human beings are meant to procreate, right? right. It's like what, so mm-hmm. I think that it could be the kernel of the feeling, but like the way we describe it when we talk about, we tell kids about sex and we say everybody gets nude and then someone goes inside someone else. They're like, what the f- yeah, are you talking about right now? And so I think like they would look at us like, you have the desire to do that with dad. And I'm like, that's why I said, well, yeah. And when you grow older, you will also have the desire to do that with someone. Right. right.
2: With wow. weird people. with Yeah.
3: With anyone you want. And as long as you are safe and healthy and don't get pregnant, yeah. you're welcome to. You know, it is a weird
2: thing though. I'll be in like a random place, like full of people and I'll just be like, That's so weird. All these people get naked and have sex. Like, they all do. Like, go into the bank. Go into the DMV. Like... Isn't everyone that has sex? a little bit weird that
0: everyone has sex
2: when you're yes. thinking about it for I mean sure. if they're lucky
3: yeah you know what I mean like I think it's very rare that people don't want to have sex yeah I think another important thing that I have found with my girls is like in order to stay sex positive and not make any shame around it particularly because like the shame is the worst when you have a kid that's an adolescent that's really horny that has somehow been shamed and then they feel like a failure yeah I think cool. that makes me sick it makes me so sad. But like when we talk to them about sex, then you always say, and sometimes it leads to a baby because that's how we got here, right? That's you were asking how you got here. It led to a baby. I always tack on. Now, sex also feels really good. And that is our evolutionary biology mm. to continue doing it. So we continue having humans. Dax is an anthropologist. So that he describes a lot of different evolutionary And cultural things to them. So they know that you have to procreate to keep your species. So the desire is something that feels really fun and you want to do it, but you don't always have to make a baby. Mm. Now in our societies, there are ways to stop a baby where you could be on birth control. Mommy was on birth control for all of her twenties. There are things called a condom, which make the sperm not meet the egg. There are many different ways where you can not have a baby at all, and you still get the fun experience with someone.
0: Right. And you're having all of those conversations. Unfortunately, now. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, I I lost my virginity at 14. And I think for me, I grew up in a household with a mom who was very open sexually, too much, you know, describing you know, eating people out and, like, all those, not She me. wasn't describing she wasn't eating herself eating people out. Eating let me be clear. But even if she was, that'd <laughs> be great. But, like, having all those conversations with me really young and, like, knew the night I lost my virginity and, like, all of that, it was helpful to have an open dialogue, not wanting to hear it, just like you're saying. Like, okay, that's enough. Like, oh, it's boring or whatever it is. But I had the information. She put me on birth control really young. But um, it was nice to have that and to have the education behind it, so knowing kind of what I was getting into, Mm -hmm. which, you know, didn't lead to babies till much later.
3: You were armed with the information. And like what you were saying, like, there is a spectrum of people. There are people who want to have sex like all the time, and then there are people who have sex more rarely. Your sexual drive is different. Yeah. So again, to not pigeonhole, I try to add in the end of those conversations, like, and then sometimes you will want to have this activity with someone else and sometimes you won't. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and you might want to do it a lot and you might not. Like, so that there's just always, they know it's a spectrum. There's like those tiny little catchphrases at the end of our conversations that I don't know if I'm doing right, but in my bones, I feel like, good job, Kristen. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) You kept it (laughs)
0: open-ended. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's tough, man. I have two boys. And so I'm like, ooh, when they get to the age, like, when do you give them a phone? And then what do they have access to? And mm. I don't, well, I like wish I could control the rest of their lives.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <sending them laughs> and off I to know school. I can't. I have no idea how that all works. I mean, I know like the preschool classes we took where she said, explain to your kids about red light, yellow light, green light, when they're like watching a video of, have you seen it before? It's a green light, then you know you can watch it. It, Have you not seen it before, but it looks familiar? It's a yellow light, so take your time and maybe ask for a parent. And then if it scares you or makes you feel funny at all, it's a red light, put the phone down and come get me. Mm -hmm. And that was like for like weird YouTube stuff. But I mean, I don't know. I haven't entered that phase yet and I'm sure it will utterly perplex me. But the one thing that I'm reminded of is Dax also says, When I'm thinking about wanting to present the best life for my girls, and don't make that choice, that'll be a bad choice, whatever, all of those stupid little things that ring in my head. He goes, You know what's interesting is that you were a goody goody, went to Catholic school, went right to college. I was a drug addict. I lived in my car for a year. I drove around the United States. I finally entered college two years late. Then I was still a drug addict for a while. You started working really early and had this set career. It took me 10 years of floundering and still doing drugs. And we live in the same house. That's right. And we have the same kids. (laughs) And we make the same amount of money. I guess there's more than one road to get here. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) shit. That's what I
2: tell my husband. Because I got kicked out of five high school I was like a bad girl all of that stuff he was a straight A student doctor and he'll say things like that and I'm like and we ended up in this same yep. fucking place didn't <laughs> we yep
3: <laughs> it's really important to remember when you see your kids doing something that you think is a mistake because you're like you have to let them experience life right it's you hard. have to let them make their mistakes it's I know. hard
0: oh. it's really hard sending them to school is hard just out there on their own yeah
3: but they do it. They make it and they survive. And it's supposed to happen to everyone. Yes. You know, it happened true. to us. It's supposed to happen to them. They deserve it. It's they a do. right. It's a, they deserve it. They
0: do. I think we're doing okay.
3: I have a
2: son that's, he has hearing loss and he's got special needs and all this. He's not talking all the stuff. He started preschool this week. Called Rachel in utter, utter hysterics. Just like, I can't do this. Like, I can't let him... Go and do that. It was freaking heartbreaking and scary. And I picked him up, and they said he had a really hard day. And I freaking again called Rachel in hysterics. And the next day was better. And it's just like you said, it's like. Because he's anti fragile and they're supposed to have yeah, hard times. I yeah. know. I know. It, it was harder on me than it was on him. His hard day compared to mine. Was like well, it's like the thing you just told me last night. I was reading Glennon Doyle, Untamed. Untamed, and she talks about how we're the flight attendant, and there's turbulence in life, and our children are looking at us to be like, it's okay, it's turbulence. But if the turbulent situations happen and we crumble Mm -hmm. as the flight attendant, then everyone panics Mm -hmm. when we know these turbulence isn't going to take the plane down, right? And so she's like, as your job as the parent is to stay calm and hand out the peanuts.
0: I think I'm like a kid and metaphors really work for me
2: too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> like that. They she had some fantastic it metaphors that works for that everyone. Book. It's the
3: way people learn.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, how do you hand out the peanuts? I was like, Shepard was handing me the peanuts and I was the kid. <laughs> he was
0: the flight attendant. Right. Like, no like, mom, I got I'm this. okay. Yeah. I got this. I mean, it feels weird to like go from that. To, we usually like, when we're ending these things, we do a little game. Tell
3: me, I oh, love games. You know we didn't I prep games. for it. At oh, that's all, all right.
0: But It's if you're willing. Of course. We have two versions where we can call it Fuck, Mary Kill.
3: Or Mary Berry One Night Stand. Oh, I kind of like the ring of Mary Berry One Night Stand. Great. It definitely has a flow. Are we playing with crew members like we always do on set? (laughs) Anybody? That's like the funnest game. Okay, so Rob, me, and Rachel. (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) She's fucking me for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Rob's
2: dead. Rachel's getting married.
0: We usually think beforehand, like, who we're going to give you. We did not do that. She's thinking about this yeah, she one.
3: Chris is. She <laughs> like, hmm. But I gonna... just love games. You know, I love you games. You love games. That's yeah. what I love most
0: about getting together with you and your friends. Like, it's always so fucking fun. straight whatever it is. Yeah, we you're love always, games. Yeah, Very competitive. I know. I love it. It um, is playful. You it know? is.
3: Yeah. 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 Play is important when you're an adult, too.
0: It is. I remember Big your 30th time. birthday party, your Hunger Games party.
3: Oh, what? yes. Hunger when games you turned theme. 30. Yeah. I turned 30. I dressed as Katniss. I had a bow and arrow. Obviously, I was in black spandex suit. And Dax had not yet read The Hunger Games, which I thought was (laughs) blasphemous. Mm -hmm. And like Ryan and Amy came as tracker jackers and Bumblebee costume. (laughs) Everyone came dressed. And he was like, I just don't understand. It's like a theme party. He wasn't get like getting. He didn't get it. No. And I said, listen to me. All you have to do is carry around this loaf of bread. That's all you do. (laughs) Just need to be the boy with the bread. No costume. That's all you need. And just now, hold the bread. Just hold the bread. And he put it down sometimes. And I, I said, you're an utter disappointment. But <laughs> now he's much more used to it. Because like when we had one of our Game of Thrones party for, I don't know, it was like season seven or maybe it was the finale. I can't remember. I rented him a wheelchair to be Bran. I didn't see Game of Thrones. You didn't? But no, I was wheeling him around no. in the uh, wheelchair the whole <laughs> Afternoon before we watched the show. And he was like, I'm so sick of these costumes. <laughs> I like it.
0: Trooper, I love it. Um, no. Really? Okay. What? Say who they are. Who are they? Peter Dinklage, T.I., and Zach Braff. Wait, wait. Who's Peter Dinklage? <laughs>
2: What do you don't think it's Tyrion Thrones. Lannister on Game of Thrones?
3: <laughs> He's also in the new movie Cyrano. Go see it; it's brilliant. Oh, did you oh, see it? I haven't um, s- no, but I, I got I a couple s- good reviews from people I trust. I'm yeah. dying. Yeah, to see I want to see that too. T-I. Yeah. Oh, you are. Oh, is this the same? <laughs> he's oh. very he's very attractive oh okay <laughs> tell by
0: your yeah I oh, like, oh.
3: okay well because i worked with him on house of lies and he just has a ton of rhythm and oh, like sick. oh so much rhythm. <laughs> so much rhythm he's just very handsome um but like his wife is there and she's lovely and whatever i would never be a black widow but the point is he's very handsome okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> so t.i peter dinklage
3: and Zach, and Zach Raff. Raff. And I mean, Zach this Raff. is sort of easy. Um, I would one night stand with Ti. Mm-hmm. I would marry Dinklage because I he's also on my list. He's so fun and smart and witty. And then I would bury Zach Raff. I mean, God bless. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but <laughs> wait, you have a list? Yeah, like my freebies. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear it. Are you allowed Keith to Keith Morrison? Vincent D'Onofrio, <laughs> Dax says there's. He says this is why you're so alarming because there's no way to track what you find attractive. I, same. <laughs> uh, let me see. Vincent D'Onofrio, Keith Morrison, Peter Dinklage is on it. Ti is on it. Um, <laughs> Riz Ahmed was on it for a while, but I'm a little bit. Wait, who was Riz Ahmed? Who's
0: that? Do I know who that He's is? He's
3: an actor. I bet if I looked him up, I would know who looked he sounds like very attractive. Yeah. And then one time when we were at like, this was before the world closed, but. Dax and I ran into him on a red carpet somewhere. It was like Golden Globes or something. And Dax is like the most supportive wingman ever. He just wants people to flirt with people. (laughs) He loves like human connection. And he's like, he wants to talk to a pretty girl. He wants me to talk to a pretty girl or a cute guy. Like he just likes, he like, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So he walked right up. I saw Riz Ahmed and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Riz Ahmed. And he said, oh my God, let's go talk to him. And I was like, no. And he said, I'm your wingman. And he grabbed me over and we walked over to Riz Ahmed and he walks up to him and goes, Hi, I'm Dax. My wife thinks you're very attractive, <laughs> <laughs> and the look on his face was um, not great. It was uh, like, "Is this a trap? Does he want me to say your wife's attracted too, and then is he going to punch me? Am I?" split? like, the whole thing was confusing. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, that so that is we list. have a list. My husband and
2: I have a list that it has to be an equal swap. Oh, okay, sure. so for couples though. Okay you guys are on it.
3: I know. I know cuz it has to be
2: even for both. Like we would have to both evenly want the person and be attracted to them. I Otherwise totally it doesn't that. work.
3: I totally get that. By the way, my husband would fuck you in a second. <laughs> Good to know. Okay? Good to
2: know. And if yeah. you're if
3: your husband's into like brain psychology, I would like even just sit and watch 60 minutes. He's a and really snuggle. fucking He's handsome doctor. He's a very doctor. good-looking doctor. Yeah. No, but let me ask you this before we wrap up. People are so confused about the fact that Dax and I can talk about who we are attracted to and not immediately file for divorce. I don't know how to describe it, but the trust current underneath our relationship is that we know we're never going to actually do any of these things. But we also know we're married. We're not dead. Mm -hmm. And we still like, and and sometimes it is real. I'm like, listen, I got to be brutally honest. Jennifer Lopez is on his list. I said, honey, if you find yourself in an abandoned hotel... With Jennifer Lopez, and you guys got nothing to do for twelve hours. Godspeed, right? I want you to have that experience. I I feel like I would love
4: to have it as well. (laughs) Yes,
2: I feel feel like that's real
3: love, though. I feel the same exact way as you. Yes, and we talk about who we. Have attractions to all the time, and we tease each other about it. I don't know how to describe it. There is a safety there, mm-hmm. yep. And to be honest, the sexual component of our relationship, although it's great and wonderful and healthy, it is not the reason that I love him. It's not the thing I'm trying to keep him from others in the world, like it's who he is in my daily life and how he relates to me and our children and how he cherishes us and protects us that are way infinitely higher
2: yeah than and anything physical sec- stuff. yeah than the physical well, yeah stuff. isn't it also a lie if people say like i don't think it has anything to do with the marker of a good or bad relationship if you're attracted to people outside of your yeah, because relationship you still, because you're a human being, you're a human being. and, We're and it's a lie yeah. to say oh i don't find that person attractive i actually get irritated with my husband when he... He doesn't find people I find attractive attractive. He mm. she grills them all the time. She lists like, every game.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm like, wait, you wouldn't fuck her, like mm-hmm. you don't find her attractive. But also, isn't that interesting? Because I've said that to Dax about like some of my girlfriends, and he's like, I just wouldn't. And, that's I, how, and then that's I sort Jeff of is. think yeah. like, oh, he's heard her come over and vent too many times. It's actually like lost the steam. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. I get it. I feel that way about
2: the majority of your guy friends. Exactly. <laughs> right. I know. Right. But to me, it's always fun when we find a couple that we're like high five. Yeah. Like that would be that would, a, would be that would be an equal swap. Working. You know. Yeah. <laughs> See, I,
3: I just. Like it because a, it's just fun and it's goofy and it feels like yes. you're in middle school and mm-hmm. it feels like you have that playfulness of talking about your crush. Yeah, but you're still with the love of your life. Right. Yeah, I I know it's completely perplexing to people that we. I think it's do like
0: it. it's such a good message though, and just shows strength and trust and real love because that is like I love this person so much that stuff that doesn't really matter. Yeah, like that physical or whatever. It's not what it's about. And like, it's about us, and we can talk about it.
2: And
3: also, yeah. they're
0: your best friend.
3: Totally. Which yeah. is like, I told thing. Rachel, like,
2: if I, anything were to happen to me, she's yeah, she going to have, have to said move it. In yeah. You and have to
3: marry him. Yeah. marry
2: my husband yeah. and take care of my children. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to have to happen.
3: That has you know, been
0: discussed. It's true. <laughs> that's, that's, the, friendship. That's, that's friendship. That's what you know. And
2: I said, and she, that you guys she would <laughs> probably
0: do that for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> <His> friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been such a fun conversation, and like you know, a very open conversation about stuff and life. And life is not always easy, and I'm sure,
3: we'll get a lot of um, what do they call it? Clickbait from it. <laughs> yeah. you know, lots of you know, lots of clickbait, All it's the a good little, stuff. Yep. When someone doesn't listen to it, and here's a headline. And, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. People are oh, nice. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Right? Who cares? You guys? know what? Yeah. It will happen. <laughs> So
0: we have this here, this is love. That's right. <laughs> that is for sure. Yep. Thank you so much for talking to us. I'm so happy to be I know, here. I, I know. I feel like I'm not even close to done with I you. I know. But I love you. But I want to see you, see you, see you. Yeah. So.
3: For real friendship. For real friendship.
0: Thank you. <laughs> of My course. beauty. Love you guys. Love you. Love you. So after each episode, Olivia and I are, in Rob, Sometimes. Sometimes. All the time. When we get them. When we're lucky enough. After each episode, we're going to do postpartum where we are going to recap and talk and talk and all that good stuff. Today was a really good conversation. I feel like I'm walking away from it with more knowledge. Yep. More confidence. Yep. Um, and some really good strategies and ways to talk to my daughter about things, including sex. You know what I love about her? What? She clearly
2: is really accountable to herself mm-hmm. and like takes this life pretty dang seriously, but also has fun. But she's so thoughtful about everything.
0: Everything. Which is really admirable. I know. Down to like what she drinks. Not alcohol, but like everything, you know? Right. she She really looks into things uh, and I've always admired that about her. She'll know what brands or products or whatever, like doing the best for this world. Because she's always trying to better this world. And with like the millions of dogs she rescues to introducing me to all her charities. And, you know, we spoke about going to Africa and that was all because of her. Um, and opening my eyes up in so many ways. Do you think she has more hours in
2: the day than the rest of us? Or do you <laughs> think it's the same amount of hours in the day? Like, what do you think that's about? Sometimes I get inspired and then sometimes I get... A little judgmental
0: of myself. Like, whoa. I Like, how do you accomplish so much in one day? Yeah. I've always, you know, envied that and admired that because... How she goes about her life. And she always has time. She finds time for everyone. Like her best friends could not be more loved and she could not be more present and therefore, and her kids and her family and her husband and her work. And she's like a superhero. She shows up. That's yeah. what she does. I loved her
2: talking about how she does it. And it's like, you know, they just came out with a study recently where they've discovered that multitasking is complete bullshit. They used to say that it was like a really good quality to have to be able to multitask. But now they've broken it down in science world and discovered it's not really valuable.
1: You're just doing everything bad, right? Or everything worse
2: everything a little bit diluted, you know? And it sounds to me like she gets that and she's not trying to multitask and like be present for her children while she's at work or be present for Mm. work while she's with her children. Like it sounds to me like she's kind of put things in appropriate categories where she can give her full attention to what she's doing. And I think that she should teach us everything she knows.
0: I just want her with me at all times and having all my conversations for me. And like I said, even with my daughter, I feel like if she could just walk with me in this life, if she could just... She'd be a good politician. She would be. Don't you think so? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'd be like, yeah, please. I vote for her. It's really cool how Dax and Kristen are, because they're both on the same page, same level of transparency and how they do things, how they can talk about each other's crushes. I mean... Rob, you and your wife can do that? Yeah, we can do that. Do you do that? Can we hear you? Do you have a list?
1: We don't have a list, but if we're watching something. I mean, it's a...
0: You don't have a freebie list? Who are your crushes? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I don't have a specific list.
2: You're such a liar. You know inside. (laughs) There's like one
0: person that pops in your head that you're There's one
2: person that pops in my head. Who? Not for myself.
0: Oh.
1: (laughs) No, 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 (laughs) no. Um... I think part of it is being around Dax and Kristen the last five years, too. is It wasn't something we used to do.
0: Um, so they've kind of opened you up in your relationship, sort of. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Positive influence. That really is, I feel like, what Kristen stands for. <laughs> Just positive influence. <laughs> but you don't have a person. Does Natalie have a person? Who would she say? Like, who's your main guy?
1: Well, she likes... Guys and girls.
0: Mm,
2: okay, so, so I does think she that have a girl? was
1: that was how it kind of
2: sexy little
1: to it was she would say it about a woman. Ah.
2: like who? Like who? Like who? This is fun. Rachel Bilson from New OC. Up. <laughs> no,
1: I mean that she loves Buffy, so Sarah Michelle Gellar would. I was going to
0: say which Buffy because you know she watches Buffy the Vampire Slayer
1: once a year. She'll watch. She'll the rewatch whole the thing. whole
0: series. Interesting. Interesting. And so she likes Sarah Michelle Gellar? Yeah. I think I was on Buffy. I think it was like one of my first jobs and I don't talk and I'm insinuating a threesome with one of the characters on the show. That's right.
1: She would maybe A zombie that. or
0: something, right? I mean, maybe not. I know the movie. See, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was one of my favorite movies growing up with Luke Perry, Kirstie Swanson. Yep. You've seen it? Yeah. It's so good. Pee Wee Herman? hmm Well, that's not his name. Sarah Michelle Gellar's hot in Cruel
2: Intentions.
0: Yeah, she's she's hot. Okay. Okay. Who so, else? do you guys like entertain threesomes? Then,
2: do you entertain them? <laughs> do you? <laughs> no. Do you... Well, <laughs> I, think, I mean,
1: no, no. She would get jealous if that ah, was a thing.
2: Got it. Would you rather do a threesome with two girls or two guys? Like your dude and another I girl? Are you jealous
0: dude? if there's another girl? Like, I don't want to see my dude like actually having sex with another girl. Like, right. That doesn't really sound fun to me. Right. Like, no. Let's just keep it clean. Here, right, buddy. I don't know. What about you? Oh, guys. Two guys. Two guys. Well, yeah. Yeah. That would be easier in the sense of jealousy and then, you know, well, unless the guy, I don't know. But I wouldn't want that with Jeff. Like, that'd be really weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, though.
2: Yeah, no. Jeff and two guys would probably be cause for divorce, in my opinion. I've
0: never, I've never done a threesome. Have you? No.
2: But the you closest?
0: wouldn't? No. I know. Sorry. Well, I could forget. But the closest we ever came to is when we were like side by side on beds in Vegas, right? Separate beds. Yeah, but that wasn't even together. We were in the same room. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, Rob. Rob. Nope. Natalie. No. Okay. Huh. Okay. Well. It ain't over yet.
1: I mean, you we've know? talked about it.
2: You yeah. have.
0: Well, I feel like when you're married, it might get to a point where you might be more open to exploring things.
1: Yeah. I mean, you and Hayden did it all the time, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've had that conversation before in relationships where I'm like, if we get to 50, and that seemed very far away at the time, I feel like, you know, our 50th wedding anniversary, you know, maybe you can sleep with somebody. But... Emotional connection is way it's a whole different ball game. Like if it's, you know, somebody, no feelings, just physical, you just do the deed and you never see them again. I was trying to see if I could wrap my head around that.
1: It's probably worth doing it before you're 50 if you're, you're gonna You're saying it.
0: like you would get
1: like a 50 year old man coming into the I'm not talking about,
0: my, about to be 50. I was talking okay. about my He's partner. Hot. Yeah. No, at 40, 50 is like a whole other thing. But I was talking about my partner sleeping with a girl, not me with like at 50. I was thinking of him. See, that's my problem. I don't know if it's a problem, but I always go into relationships where I always think of him first. I put the guy first. And like, it's one of my things. But I'm working on it. Yeah. Could you do that? No. Would you let Jeff? Never in a million
2: years. Never. No. Off the table. No. (laughs) I could not. Right. Well, the thought of that honestly makes me sick to my stomach. I think that's disgusting. I just, I, I... Could
1: you though? Absolutely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I could. But I'm so like weirdly protective and like the thought of him even liking another like like liking it. I'm like, heck no. It's fun to joke about and we talk about, but I couldn't actually. But I,
0: I get where Kristen was coming from when she said, you know, you're in the same room with, with JLo, like Godspeed, you know, yeah. like go for it. And that does show it's just, it's look, it's a different, you it's know, caring. person and whatever. <laughs> it's very, it's very considerate. Well, um,
1: I think it changes in that situation. Like, I think it's like before you're... Natalie and I could have those conversations and it, it wasn't that I'm going to be on Zoom with that person. It, was never, reality. it, was, because, it was never a reality. Not that it's a reality now, but, but it is a person that I could talk to. Right. Yeah. It, exactly. There's a possibility
0: that you might know that person in some way at some point.
2: Yeah. We used to have those kind of conversations. And then Jeff. You and Jeff? Yeah. And then Jeff took a job at one point where he was concierge medicine for like a bunch of people and he was <laughs> making house calls. And I was like, "Oh, this is a reality now. <laughs> like he could actually smash the people that are on his list. Because imagine like a cute doctor walking in, and you're single, um, yeah. and like it's
0: like the episode of Friends where Ross takes Isabella Rossellini off his list, and then she walks into Central yes, Park. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he's like, I'm never going to run into her. She's international, and then she walks in. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I like if Jennifer Lopez wanted to sleep with Jeff, you would let him.
2: I feel like if I could know it was just going to be that and she wasn't going to want to like take him from me. Uh-huh. If it was Well then that's what we're but talking about. But then that's about. like
0: an indecent proposal. It doesn't work well. I haven't seen that movie in a very long time.
2: We just watched it recently. And mm, I found something sleep <laughs> and I heard sobbing and I looked and it was Jeff crying <laughs> his eyes out.
1: <laughs> you guys didn't answer it. Can you do that with Jeff? Can I do what? talk about men you're attracted to and him talk about women
2: absolutely he knows who like my main guys are and who are they well i'm obsessed i mean i've I've got a lot i have one (laughs) who's your one who's yours larry david that is not mine he did (laughs) not make my list um mine i'm i mean listen brad Pitt. um i love joel kinnaman is that how you say it? Oh, yeah. It? I'm obsessed with him.
0: I uh, saw him in an airport once. I was literally like, I had like felt like 10 bags. It was probably like three. Two. Or
1: well, you're not really
0: allowed to have more than whatever. I had a lot of bags. I was just no, maybe
1: one, I, no one's gonna come after you if you had more bags yeah. you were <laughs> Listen, TSA.
0: <laughs> Next time in the airport, don't flag me down. I think I had Briar with me. So you know, I'm the mom by myself carrying everything, getting through security. They took things from me I wasn't supposed to have. I'm like you know, dragging it up. And then this guy like walks by and I'm like, oh my God, that guy's fucking hot. Like, Tall glass she, of water. And I'm sweating. Clothes are falling off. Briar's right. It was one of those suitcases actually that she could ride on and I was pulling it. <laughs> it was a real scene. And he walks by and he like looks at me and I like glance and it's fucking Joel Kinnaman. And he looks at me And he kind of like smiles, but like laughs, like, oh, look at this fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this girl's a mess, like (laughs) dragging her kid and all her shit. Things were falling and she's sweating. And it was him. And you know what? It still made my day.
1: And you guys fell in love.
0: And we fell in love and I find him really <laughs>
2: attractive Ryan Gosling. I find really attractive Ryan Gosling
0: is super attractive. Oh my super god. Super fucking I met attractive. Him and I was like, "Oh, you're supposed to be my husband." Now, this was pre Ava Mendez like yeah. this was a long yeah. time ago. But I was convinced that we were like made to be together. Like this is happening. Yeah. We we're in France. It's a sign. <laughs> International of course, Travel. It's a sign. It was a sign in many ways. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I told him a joke when I met him. You did? He what made fun it? of me because I was on a boat. It was <laughs> and you had to we had to dress up, but I'm very little, like I'm short, and I like to wear heels when I'm out. But we were on a boat, so you had to take off your shoes. And I was like, no but they gave me socks because my feet were cold and they were booties (laughs) for the boat. And they had an L and an R to show you (laughs) the sock goes on the left foot or the right foot. Yeah. I think I had him backwards, but he like looked down and he commented on my socks. What did he say? I don't remember. What was the joke you told him? I told him, I said, what does a snail say when it rides on a turtle's back? What? (laughs) And I acted it out and he laughed. I think he called Charming. So that's my go-to joke, just Wait. because Ryan Gosling called me charming. Were you just like it's <laughs> like you're a cute little girl? A little girl with <laughs> it's true, it's a
2: true story. Man. I know, but how'd that come up? Were you just like, hey, Ryan Gosling, <laughs> I'd love to tell you a
0: joke? What are you? Hear a joke. <laughs> it's my opener. <laughs> I don't remember how it happened, but that is what happened, and that is my Ryan Gosling story. Yeah. Way back when when I was convinced that we were destined. Clearly, I felt, I was felt like that
2: when I and I've never met him, mm-hmm. but when I would watch his movies, I would be like, "That's my guy. Yeah. Like, that's him. Yes. There he is. One hundred percent. Yeah." And I thought that was clear to the universe, and it it wasn't. I guess you and a went, lot
1: of people, though. both of yours, are very obvious. What do you mean, Ryan Gosling and Brad Pitt?
0: <laughs> Little on the nose.
1: Like, I like the Larry David one. Well, hello. It's a good one.
0: Well, that's one thing, you know, I'm never getting near. Dennis Miller is one of mine, too. Okay, that's off the beaten path. That's a little bit off the beaten path, but I find him incredibly Incredibly.
2: attractive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Don't you? Growing up, growing up, now let's talk about actors when they were younger. Val Kilmer in Willow. Huh. Really? I can't remember Willow much. God. In Willow, as a child, I was in love with Val Kilmer. (laughs) I was in love with River Phoenix. You know who I... Well, yeah, who wasn't? See, yeah, I like the typical ones. You it's do like, like the typical I ones. I know. I was obsessed with Edward Furlong when he was in Terminator 2. Who wasn't?
2: Norton.
0: No. Edward Furlong. Look him up. Terminator I love Edward. 2. Norton. I love Edward Norton too. I'm going back in childhood here because you know, these are a little more obscure, let's say. Not at the time though. Very popular people. Johnny Depp, Crybaby, forget it. Obsessed. Patrick uh, Sweeney, you know, dirty was, dancing. Duh. Obsessed. But that's all like, those are all obvious. Leonardo
2: DiCaprio was like, you know.
0: I liked Leo, but I was never like the Leo girl. I was the Leo girl I I used to write about him in my journal and cry at night yeah and also like when New Kids on the Block was super popular we sound like very old right now do you even know who New Kids on the Block are Yes, yes. I was like I don't like them and then I would like secretly like my best friend loved New Kids on the Block and like she would walk out of the room we were probably in second grade and I'd see like a poster of Joey and and he you know from New Kids and I'd be like Joey I'm really your number one fan I love you the most and I wouldn't tell anybody (laughs) it was was a secret it was a secret like maybe I was like and I of can't go along with all of the popular
2: things. Hmm, weird, right? I was into uh what's
0: his face? From Joey New Kid. <laughs> no, Donnie.
2: I was a Donnie girl.
0: <laughs> Wasn't his bro- Oh no, that Mark Wal- Donnie Mar- Wahlberg. Yeah. Donnie yeah. Wahlberg was in New Kids. Yeah, yeah. 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 I I liked, he was like the swaggy one. I liked Marky Mark. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, when he was Marky Mark. Like that yeah, time. For yeah. sure. Oh, my God. We better save some more, like, temporary things here because, geez, let's start knitting. (laughs) Okay. Actually, I would like to knit. I I would, too. I was thinking of it recently. (laughs) I wanted to take it up.
2: It's a good thing to do. It really
0: is. Yeah. We're on to something. Knitting is what we're on to. You know what? Kristen knits, doesn't she? She does knit. I know. Oh, does she? See? Damn it. What doesn't she fucking do? (laughs) I mean, literally. She
2: does it all, doesn't she? She does
0: she does a lot. Yeah. This was a really fun time, guys. So, out of all the people you've said, mm-hmm. well, you've said more than three. I was going to see, like, if you had to fuck, Mary kill, like, could you do that with all of your loves? Like Brad Pitt. Jeff and...
2: No, you can't put Jeff in. Like Brad Pitt, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Goss. And Jeff. No. <laughs> fuck, Mary kill. I would marry Jeff. I would because I would be you lost. Are. <laughs> I would be lost without him. Mm-hmm. Um I would have to fuck Brad Pitt. I he would let me. But who are you killing? Joel Kendeman. I don't want to kill
0: him. I really don't.
2: That's I, I no,
1: it's not fun if you like everyone.
0: I know it's not as fun, but it's harder to answer. See? Although she answered that kind of quickly. Well, because it's like I
2: would have to do that for my people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that would mean a lot like to a lot of people. Taking one for the team. Yeah, the team being the world. Like not like Joel Kinnaman is more of like not as many people.
0: He's not under the radar, but he's more of
2: a under the radar choice. Who are your people aside from Larry David? You're you <gasps> don't you... want to admit it. You're still doing new kids on the block. <laughs> can
1: you can you tell lovers? Do you have this conversation with them? Huh. Can, the same thing that you asked me.
0: <laughs> like, could I can, have the conversation about you, who I'm attracted to?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not all Not of all. people I've been with. Yeah. I have some that are very cool, more best friend like that, absolutely.
1: So, Bill, you guys are pretty open about <laughs> who you were attracted to.
0: Did he have any? I don't even know. I, that's my problem. I don't remember things. And a couple years ago, forget it. And might as well have not existed.
1: <laughs> All right. So who, we're not going to let you off the hook. But uh, yeah, Larry I David. feel like you're
0: still doing the Larry New kids David. On the Block thing. No, I mean, obviously, if my, the opportunity presented itself with Brad Pitt, fuck yeah, I'd go for it. Are you kidding me? So the one time I did meet Brad Pitt, you brought up good old Bill Hader. We were on a red carpet and someone yelled, Hater! Really loud. And he didn't hear. And I turned. And lo and behold, there the golden god Brad Pitt himself. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, oh shit!" Like Brad Pitt's going over. I was like really nervous. And actually, I didn't feel nervous at the time, but supposedly the way Bill had retold it was, he came over and like was really excited to meet Bill because he was a huge fan. And then, <laughs> and then Bill—that's the way Bill, Bill told introduced it. me. <laughs> hold on and Bill in, hold on, sidebar and then Bill introduced me and I didn't know if I should like shake his hand or what and I was kind of awkward and he like shook he my high hand fives. I've read Brad Pitt
1: yeah he likes high fives I think Noted. he shook my hand <laughs> <I> mean,
0: oh <laughs> oh no Next so now now I can you imagine if I were running into <laughs> Brad Pitt like hey up will <laughs> <laughs> um we shook hands and Bill had told me after, he's like, You were so nervous, me. That's does not is not what Bill sounds you like, know, by was the like, way. Surfer dude, hey, wait, just, can
1: we can we do a second take where you impersonate him?
0: How do you you look really nervous? <laughs> 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 so you were so nervous meeting Brad Pitt. I was like, What do you mean? I'm nervous. It's just Brad Pitt, whatever. It's, it's just like it's just a bird. Uh that I just, you know, I was it was very it was a moment because I don't remember things. I definitely remember that.
1: I saw him walking down the street. And you gave like him a high two five? two weeks ago.
0: Two Did weeks you? ago? Where?
1: Over by um, Los UCB. Los yeah, he was going I saw out, him at Casa Vega. He, he was going out to have a cigarette. Oh, by Brad.
0: Still smoky? Tisk tisk.
2: I saw him at um, Casa Vega a few times. It's a restaurant in the valley. When he was Mexican. with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, yeah. And she loves Casa Vega. I was wearing the same outfit as her. Was it the parachute
0: pants? Huh? Oh.
2: It was like a baseball (laughs) tee. I'll never forget it because Brad Pitt smiled at me and like looked that we were wearing the same outfit. It was like a baseball tee with pink sleeves, Mm -hmm. jeans, and like white tennis shoes. Cute. And I like walked up and she was there wearing the same outfit and he like looked at us and smiled and I almost pissed myself. Yeah. And I was like, Understandably so. You could have this, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both of them. You could have both I mean, of us in the, the same. same outfit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one. When I was a kid in the height of Johnny Depp and his crybaby-ness, he was at Hugo's on Santa Monica, and my mom took me to eat. I was literally probably like seven or eight, maybe a little, maybe eight. Eight to ten, we'll call it. <laughs> and Johnny Depp was there, and he was with like a manager. I don't know, like an older gentleman at the time. And my mom always said, like, I walked in and Johnny Depp smiled at me. Mm. And I'll never forget it. My mom's like, yeah, Johnny Depp smile at you. The old man smiled at me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's how I feel when I'm
0: with you. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so hmm, I know where Brad Pitt frequents. So you want to go to lunch? Yeah, in Luis Vegas. Yeah. Or or in, <laughs> at Costa
2: Vega. No, I used to actually like low-key look for him every time I'd go to Costa Vega. You know, I'm like, I hope
0: to see you. Him would go again. there every day and hope. Every day. <laughs> I get it. I would be there. It's a very dark restaurant. It's I very feel like dark. It's also wise popular with people like Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Just we saying. just blew his cover. <laughs> well, you wanted to blow something. <laughs> 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 oh, we're heckling now. We're heckling. We're here. like these little old ladies. We are. We're yeah. going to knit. We're going to knit. We're like the golden girls. Oh, they stole my heart. I tell you. Were you a fan of the Golden
1: Girls, Rob? That was a little before my time. Oh, shut hey, up.
0: He's so young. I know.
2: Do you know, Jeff didn't know Golden Girls was an actual really good show. He was like, why do you watch that? I'm <gasps> like, because it's an amazing show. And he's like, nobody thinks that. <gasps> I was like, you're absolutely wrong about life. Like, you know nothing. <laughs> of,
0: it's... it's a perfect show, one thousand percent, but don't you. you hate that when you like you know something is like one thousand percent right and someone tries to argue it, and they're just so wrong, and I cannot let it go until I prove to them that they are wrong. I did an Instagram poll on that, yes,
1: did it convince him?
2: It was like ninety eight percent. yes,
1: it's a perfect
2: show, <laughs> just
0: to prove him wrong,
2: but yeah.
1: Jeff agrees no. Then. he's like
2: everyone that follows you is an idiot, <laughs> and I was like,
0: well. That's yeah. not true. You should watch Golden Girls, Rob.
1: I've seen some of it.
0: Well, you should see all of it. All right. It's quite good.
1: By the next episode, I'll Did you watch
0: Friends? It. Were you into sitcoms? Seinfeld.
1: No, I mean, I've seen f- enough of Friends.
0: Okay. So you've got my Isabella, reference. <laughs> nope. God, Isabella really? Rosalini reference. No. Isabella Rossellini. Okay. So.
1: So we're going to do this every week.
0: We are going to, we're going to do this every week.
1: Sometimes twice a week.
0: You know what? Sometimes twice a week. Sometimes twice a week. We are going to cover a lot. I'm actually really excited to talk about some of the things we're going to talk about because they're things that I've personally never talked about before, but also having a very open dialogue with things that we talk about all the time and what women, even men, whoever speak with your closest friends about that you don't always, you know, air your dirty laundry so to speak, but it's helpful. I find it very therapeutic. I find it helpful and also some interesting stories.
1: Yeah, you're not afraid to air your dirty laundry, I've learned.
0: I'm not? No.
1: Why no. do you say that? Just saying. When, when He's you like, came because on, when
0: I walked in, there was
4: dirty
2: laundry. In
1: <laughs> but, I mean, when we first met, on armchair? You did armchair. Yeah. You did, you said a few things that, <laughs> that you didn't ask cut
0: i did think about it though i was a little nervous
1: yeah
0: but you know what it was a good thing because Mm -hmm. i brought up something with myself and a fellow classmate from high school that hurt me and we have since mended our relationship and friendship and so that was the reason for it
1: and now we're doing this podcast yeah and And
0: we're doing this podcast because that's where i met rob and rob said hey to do a podcast. Yeah. You, you like <laughs> to talk
1: shit about people. Let's, uh,
0: yeah. Rob is like, mm, you're, you're not, not like afraid to, to talk spicy things. Shit. Um, uh, yeah, no, but I really, really liked you, Rob, and I said, yeah, let's let's talk more, and I dragged Olivia on in and on in. And- in on, on, it, in on in it. on
1: it <laughs> yeah. To be fair, we ended up having to spend an hour on Zoom after. What do you mean? After you podcast? came an armchair because you couldn't figure out how to <laughs> use any of your equipment oh. or upload yes. anything.
0: <laughs> and so that's when you saw a future podcast star and me. Yeah. She no. can
1: do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> She's got this laptop that Bill bought her that
0: <laughs> that doesn't. We work. have
1: to replace
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we did very quickly because it did not work. That was pretty funny, actually. I think that's what really got you. You were like, this girl's a mess.
4: <laughs> let's talk let's to record her. <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> it's true. But you know what? And you're here now, and you're here in person because literally you're probably too scared for me to do it on my own.
2: <laughs> and because we need you. No, we desperately. need Rob. Yeah. And it is really exciting because our favorite thing to do in life is talk to each other about everything. everything. In detail. In like,
0: detail. What'd you eat for lunch? We will go into full detail.
1: That's what people want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> what did Absolutely. Rachel and Olivia eat for lunch?
0: Well, let me tell you. So Rob far today. Introduced that. Well, Rob was the first person to bring us Courage bagels. And they are God's gift to the bagel community. It is literally the best bagel I've ever had ever in my had. Life. Actually, you know, and I didn't even intend for that to be a plug. But since we're talking about it, Courage Bagels. I'm not joking. The best fucking bagels I've ever had in my life. We have joined, collaborated for Broad Ideas as a special thing. If you're in LA, you can experience. I'm just putting it out there because it's very exciting.
1: Yeah, we love Courage Bagels.
0: We do. So anyway, we will be here at least once a week. Hoping that you will too.
1: If enough of you listen, we'll be here more than once a week. Get ready. Every day.
0: We're even going to like do topic ones. We cover a really interesting topic, Olivia and I. Stay tuned.
1: <laughs> Lay down.
0: <laughs> Lay down. <laughs> unzip those pants because pleasure is up next. That's right, baby.
1: Yeah, yeah. Once a month, we'll do something topic-based.
2: Right. Rob's like, yeah, yeah, stop that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Zip those pants up, Sorry. lady. <laughs> uh, yeah, but once a month, we'll drop a topic one. But our first one is pleasure. So enjoy. It's a good one. <laughs> See you next week.